0: Welcome to AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to be back in the captain's chair today. AFR.net is where you can find us on the World Wide Web. That's AFR.net. We also have an app on your smartphone, your tablet device. You can go to your app store and type in AFR or American Family Radio and download our app. And lastly, I'll mention... um, that we are live streaming the video on facebook on the american family radio facebook page we're also live streaming the video um, on the afa at the core youtube channel and as i mentioned yesterday we're going to have our own video platform up and running in the next few months and then uh, towards the end of the year maybe the early 2022 we'll have a live streaming option on our video platform where you can watch shows like afa at the core live Without having to go to YouTube or Facebook or other uh, social media platforms, you can go directly to our website. We got Bobby back on the board today. Bobby, glad to have you back, brother.
2: Good to be back, Walker. Well, Always good to be back.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, our verse of the week is uh, Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's Proverbs 15.1. And, you know, I've just... Become, become convicted recently, and this is I've had this conviction before, but in today's world, and I'm sure it's always been this way throughout um, world history, it's easy to become distracted with things that are not as significant as other things that we should be focused on, and uh, one of our core values here at. American Family Association is marriage and family. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. So that's the core value I just want to mention briefly in passing uh, before we move into the stories of the day, that it's so important that we don't sacrifice our marriage and our family uh, for anything else that is really subsidiary or less of less importance when it comes to what God says, of course, our relationship with Christ, our uh, salvation experience, our sanctification process, is of utmost importance. That's clear in Scripture. Um, but but God has ordained marriage and family as His first institution uh, that He created in Genesis. So we need to make sure that we are uh, putting um, enough. Um, Effort and time into our marriage with our spouse and into our family focusing on our children and our extended family family is very very important to us here as a ministry it's one of our core values uh, so don't forsake spending time and investing in your marriage in your family that's very very important can't say that enough and I'm speaking to myself here and the rewards uh, are not just gonna be here on this earth with um, with your marriage and your family, but but that's an etern- eternal investment. Uh, that kind of discipleship has eternal implications for the good, or or for the bad if you neglect it. Yesterday, I talked about this story uh, where the scientists are raising the alarm over climate change, and one of the last points that I cited is how one of the goals and the the so-called solutions our solution to climate change, what they call climate change, is this, quote, stabilizing and gradually reducing the population, end quote. That is their goal. That's what they say is one solution or one of many solutions to climate change, which is reducing the number of humans on the earth. Well, that struck me because that seems to be a common solution, proposed solution amongst the people who are raising the alarm about climate change. And it made me wonder, you know, are are folks, are these people pushing population control? As uh, Are they pushing all of these narratives like climate change, um, like global warming, are they pushing these in order to get to Population control as a justification for population control. Well, I, I, I started reading a, a lot. Li- this is a liveaction.org report, very extensive, too much to cover the entire report on the show today, even if I covered it all three segments. But this report from liveaction.org, the, pub- the author is Carol Novelli. It gets into the founding of Planned Parenthood, which, as we know, was founded by Margaret Sanger. But even Margaret Sanger's main focus was not abortion to begin with. A fellow, a doctor by the name of Alan F. Gutmacher, came along. Many of you have heard of the Gutmacher Institute, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But this, uh, this fellow came along, this doctor came along after Margaret Sanger and actually joined her with Planned Parenthood. And um, um, this is a point in passing, but this is reading directly from this report. Planned Parenthood was initially reluctant to perform abortions. That is, until Guttmacher came on the scene before making millions committing abortions. Planned Parenthood admitted that abortion takes human life. A Planned Parenthood pamphlet from the nineteen from 1952 reads, quote, abortion kills the life of a baby after it has begun, end quote. And so Planned Parenthood in, in the early days admitted that abortion was killing a baby, and they actually weren't pushing it that much. But um, Gutmiker came along and joined Margaret Singer with Planned Parenthood, joined efforts, and this is where the whole population control theory, and history began, at least with Planned Parenthood. This is from 1962. In 1962, Alan Guttmiker, former vice president of the American Eugenics Association, assumed the presidency of Planned Parenthood. Soon, a population bomb hysteria was driving public policy. In 1969, a medical news magazine revealed what was really going on when it qu- quoted Gutmiker warning that if voluntary means did not achieve the desired goals, talking about population control, each country will have to decide in its own form of coercion and determine when and how it should be employed. At present, the means available are compulsory sterilization and compulsory abortion, end quote. That's directly from one of the the early founders and members of Planned Parenthood. You know, this... um, this is, this is very secular. It's very wicked. It's very godless. And that is this, the, this goal of governments and entities and people to reduce the population of the world via killing people. And that's what it is. That's what it is. We're not talking about people who wanted to have eight kids, but instead they decide just to have three. We're talking about people who are pregnant and killing innocent babies, murdering innocent babies. That's the kind of population control uh, that we're talking about here. And then you get into what they call um, doctor-assisted suicide, which these same folks are also in favor of. And we've we've seen these, these uh, legal battles go on in various states, even here in the U.S., uh, trying to prevent that trying to prevent this doctor-assisted suicide uh, where someone can kill themselves in the name um, um, uh, of—with a doctor's help, which is antithetical to what a doctor is supposed to be doing. Doctors are supposed to preserve life and the quality of life, but instead um, many people want to uh, enable and legalize doctor-assisted suicide, which is a disaster and should never be allowed. Um, so there you go. Uh, the, 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 when people talk about, you know, how many of uh, these Democrats and these secularists, how they want to control the population, that's not a conspiracy theory. Um, their own writings and their own statements throughout the last several decades, if not longer, have confirmed that that is a major goal uh, of uh, a, a goal that they've admitted to. And that is either depopulation or Minimizing population, those are basically one in the same. The uh, There was a report today. Um, well, before I get to the Governor Cuomo stuff, we'll, we'll wait till uh, next segment or the last segment to get to that. But I wanted to make sure I, I got to this story. This is out of the spectator, spectator. Well, it turns out the New York Times squashed or quashed in is the exact word here, the COVID COVID origination inquiry. So last year, there was a lot of questions about where the coronavirus came from. We covered it on the show yesterday. Well, the New York Times, one of the top editors at the New York Times went to his staff, went to his uh, leadership, and proposed that the New York Times investigate the origins of COVID-19. The uh, New York Times, the veteran Times employee, which leaked this uh, information, says that he was told it was dangerous to run a piece about the origins of coronavirus. There was resistance to running anything that could suggest that COVID-19 was man-made or had leaked accidentally from a lab. Why is that? Why would the New York Times shy away from this story? Maybe because it would make the Chinese Communist Party look bad. Maybe because it would bolster President Trump's rhetoric against the Chinese Communist Party. If we found out that the Chinese, with uh, the help from some U.S. grant dollars, was meddling around with coronavirus variants in a lab, and then it got released whether it be intentionally or accidentally. We really don't know that yet. I mean, that would be that would be a breaking, a huge story. That would be a bombshell. And now we, we've seen the evidence now, which basically points that the virus did come from the lab. But the New York Times would not cover it. And many of the publications that failed to investigate and report on it last year well, all of a sudden, they're wising up and they're reporting what we all knew likely to be true. But this really gets into uh, the larger picture, and that is um, the media and the Democrats. They've shown that they, they would have done anything, and they did do anything and everything in their power to suppress any story that possibly would make the Chinese Communist Party look bad and any possible story that would make the president Donald Trump look good, they covered it up. They covered it up over and over again. And the World Health Organization, they participated in the cover up. They participated in the cover up. And much of this, we have uh, one of the one of the doctors well connected with Dr. Fauci. Uh, he covered it up. He denied it. And um, one of the one of the implications here is that. The WHO, the World Health Organization, and many other countries, they all knew about this lab, this Wuhan Institute of Virology. They were sending money to it. Uh, Many of the scientists from these different countries were participating in it in some form or fashion. Um, Dr. Fauci has emails where he admits, uh, where he is emailed a story early on in the pandemic, and I think in March 1st of the pandemic, 2020, Uh, Dr. Fauci was made aware of the gain-of-function research that was going on in this lab. He was made aware, and actually a female scientist raised the alarm with Dr. Fauci and the NIH in the early days of the pandemic that she was studying this uh, coronavirus and the way it looked and the way it was built, and she emailed NIH and Dr. Fauci and other scientists saying that this thing looks man-made. That was her words this virus looks man-made. Looks like it came from a laboratory. Well, we were all called conspiracy theorists. We were called, you know, conspiracy theorists. We're spreading a hoax. We don't know what we're talking about. Well, turns out many of us were right. Many of us were right. The virus came from a lab and the New York Times covered it up. We'll be back in a few minutes.
1: Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Iran's Islamic government is cutting off Internet access following widespread anti-regime protests in the Khuzestan province. In America, NPR published a hit piece on the Daily Wire, The Blaze, Breitbart News, and Western Journal, in which it called for big tech to work harder and do more to minimize misinformation coming from conservative outlets. NPR is taxpayer funded. It's the closest thing we have to literal government-run media. And NPR is calling for the minimization of the influence of ideas and information that doesn't comport with their preferred narratives. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls.
2: Equipping your daughter with social-emotional skills is paramount to raising a godly adult. When kids learn how to interact in a connective way with other people, they tend to express more kindness and empathy toys, TV shows, and books are becoming increasingly aware of these themes, but they just aren't enough. While conversations about her feelings, brainstorming how to react to scenarios, and developing coping strategies are all helpful tactics, ultimately our girls need to be in the presence of other children. Volunteering in the community gives girls somewhere to interact and live out the skills she's learning. First Chronicles 1611 instructs us to look to the Lord and His strength, See kids face always. When she invites God into her daily interactions, she'll find a well of confidence. Learn more about
1: empowering girls through the
2: love of God at
1: RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Emmy was in a bad relationship when she found out she was pregnant. Her boyfriend told her to get an abortion, which she seriously considered.
2: I knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken.
1: Emmy went to a pre-born center in need of guidance.
0: They honestly were able to put every fear at ease and let me know that it was going to be okay. Because of them, he's here. I couldn't imagine my life without him.
1: Pre-born clinics introduce moms in crisis to their babies through ultrasound, while providing hope, love, and the gospel in action. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
0: Welcome back in studio, AFA at the Core, with uh, your host, Walker Wildman, on the American Family Radio Network. Our resource of the week is the God Who Speaks Sunday School Kit. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can see our kit here. Uh, It's a DVD kit, eight-week video study. I've been through this myself with my Sunday School class. Excellent study, the God Who Speaks Sunday School Kit is what you can order from our resource center, resources.afa.net. It's a two-disc set with uh, eight sessions, which will take you about eight weeks. The sessions run about between 30 to 45 minutes, and it comes with excellent uh, materials, including a discussion guide and Bible timeline chart to aid your discussion and help your Sunday school class. You know, this is great for... Even your family, if your family wants to go through this eight-week kit, you can do that. Your church can go through it as a whole. It doesn't have to just be for Sunday schools, but that's kind of what it's geared towards. But this can be used for any kind of small group or large group setting, preferably small group. But that's yet the God Who Speaks Sunday School Kit. Go to our resource center, resources.afa.net. Right there on the top of the page, you'll see a tab that says the God Who Speaks, and you can find that uh, Sunday School Kit there and order it. Each Tuesday and Thursday joins me in studio Wesley Wildman, my brother and a vice president here at AFA. And
3: sometimes he wants me on more than others. I don't know about today. I don't know if I've done anything to offend you. I heard that you're going to throw
0: a a curveball at me. And so, well, I want to know what that's going to be. You throw curveballs. I like to throw knuckleballs. Knuckle, you know. I, th- Those I know hard to hit. Too. It
3: serves the same purpose, but <laughs> I like to be different than you. Okay, I don't want to be the same. Be different. Be you unique. Throw balls, be your I own throw, person. Throw knuckleballs. Okay. You can self-identify as whatever you want.
0: Thank you. I'm
3: going to self-identify right now as drinking a really nice cup of AFA coffee.
0: You are with your dad <laughs> mug <laughs> that your wife got you for my Father's dad day. mug.
3: Yeah. Hey, if y'all have never seen these, what walkers describing, my wife went online to some uh, coffee mug website, a place where she will get her pictures printed off and she got me a mug with uh, a variety of pictures of our family some with just me and my son some with all of our family and and there and, and so around it and it says happy fathers day I'm pretty jealous, though. That's that's
0: pretty nice. that's good stuff. That's
2: man, as we say in Deutsche. (laughs)
3: Already
0: lost me. Already lost. That's where we just
3: hope what Bobby Bobby said said is right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because, because we we were we were quick in agreement. I have no idea what he said. Yeah, we're like, yeah, Yeah. absolutely, Bobby. (laughs) But I got this nice. Simply
2: nice in
3: German. what it means. Yeah, (laughs) nice. Simply nice. Well, Well, you know what? I have to make that part of the program. But this nice cup is my wife got it for me. It's really nice. It reminds me of my family. Uh, of course, reminds me of, you know. We do sell, America the
0: coffee you're drinking, we do sell on our resource center.
3: That, we got a couple coffee mugs there, I think, or at least one of them. That's right, we got a tumbler. Well, here's the deal. All right, so I come in here prepared to talk to you about education because we're getting into the school year. Yep. We're getting into kids going back to school, teachers going back, administrators, coaches going back. So there's uh, two different uh, angles we're going to discuss, public education here just shortly. But before we do, as I was walking in, yet again, yet again, I have another common ground with the liberals. This is getting crazy. I know last week and the week before, you're like, man, what's going on with Wesley? He's just finding a lot in it's like, common. This is
0: like Compromise Tuesday, man. Yeah, it's you compromise. just come in and compromise. I
3: just one after the other. Well, look, <laughs> I agree that sexual harassment is wrong. I agree sexual that's harassment good. is wrong.
0: That That's yeah. Amen. I, I'm glad you, you said that. Good.
3: Well, and I agree with them. And so much so that I'm interested to see the uh, consequences of Chris uh, Cuomo, sorry, Andrew, Andrew Cuomo and the New York governor. Now, let me read this for us. It's on One News Now. It's breaking news. This this popped up right before I came in. It says, uh, New York Governor Cuomo, sexual arrest, multiple women, probes have fined. It says this, an investigation into Democrat New York Governor Andrew Cuomo found that he sexually harassed multiple current and and former state government employees. State Attorney General Latita James found Tuesday they interviewed one hundred and seventy nine people. Here is just one of the quotes from there from their um, interview. It was a hostile work. And this is what they concluded after interviewing one hundred and seventy nine people. It was a hostile work environment, and it was quote a riff with fear and intimidation, and the list goes on. These interviews, I'll. Here's another quote from her, same lady. These interviews and pieces of evidence revealed a deeply disturbing yet clear picture that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed current and state former employees, and it goes on. So
0: yeah, I've got, I I've agree. Actually got
3: that story for today. Oh well, then I won't
0: get. Do you want no, to make any good. more comments? No, you just quoted her. That's good. Yeah. All I have was the attorney general clip. Okay. Um, confirming. Let's, let's what go there then. The Andrew Cuomo uh, investigation conclusion here. Let's play clip five.
1: The independent investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. Specifically, the investigation found that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed current and former New York State employees by engaging in unwelcome and non-consensual touching and making numerous offensive comments of a suggestive, sexual nature that created a hostile work environment.
4: And there wow. you have
0: it. That's clip one. And I've got another one, but yeah, this is this is this is disturbing. What has come out about Governor Cuomo, and you know, these reports—they uh, weren't an official state-sanctioned investigation, but there were. There's been reports for over a year now uh, against Governor Cuomo, allegations from multiple women, and he denied all of them. And uh, President Joe Biden actually said a few months ago that if if these allegations are true which this investigation concluded that they are then sure. he should he should resign so we'll see what governor Cuomo does there but i agree sexual harassment sexual assault is absolutely intolerable
3: and before we move on to the whole reason i came here and the things i came to talk about i just want to say i'm more focused now that you hit the knuckleball i mean yeah I thought I was going to juke you on that one. And no, you I there's you had a, no juking me. You even had two
0: clips ready.
2: I'm and always I didn't even ready. know. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah, he certainly went with that I'm going to have to pay pitch. attention better. Yeah, you yeah. win with
0: that. I with think it. I hit it out of the park, but okay. we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out later. All right. We'll go looking for the well, ball. I'll give you extra bases.
3: Hey, <laughs> and I'll give you credit for y'all's team for having clips ready for that. Good job. Okay, so what I wanted to talk about today was twofold. Uh, first off, I wanted to get into the topic and – Walker may be more familiar with this than I am, but just the uh, I, I, un, I'm understanding of the general concept and I see the value in it because it uh, supports a free market society in this particular aspect. And that is the good news. A good news is that school choice is becoming more and more popular, higher than ever, specifically in the state of Missouri, Missouri governor, Mike, Carson uh, is getting praises because of his House Bill 349. That's House Bill 349 in Missouri, and it creates a charitable scholarship program that allows qualified students to attend school of their choice. Walker, I know, uh, again, I know this on a general surface level, Mm -hmm. but it only makes sense, uh, and I can go a little farther than this, but this should be a good starting point, but it only makes sense to me, for it to be a school of your choice, even if you wanted to hypothetically drive forty-five minutes or an hour one way to drive to school, there is no, there should be no law or anything that would keep you from doing that if you can afford it yeah. and you can pay for it. That's sh- and 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 it's and it's a school that you agreed to go to. I mm-hmm. mean, you saw their policies, what they're teaching, whatever it is. Um, uh, whatever their influence or teach that maybe the benefits maybe they have better sports programs or maybe yeah. they have whatever it if you want to go to a school there should be no reason that keeps you from doing that
0: yeah there's a lot of fake arguments a lot of misleading arguments against school choice out there um and but there there, there really are no no arguments have good standing no. against school choice and what school choice is there's a couple of different aspects here a school choice is not is not just private versus public Right, exactly. uh, We're talking about inner school choice That's right. Which, as well uh, with public schooling, which means if you were unhappy, look, we all pay taxes. That's right. Okay, at least we should be. <laughs> we all pay taxes that go to our police department, our fire department, our roads, our bridges. One of those things that it goes to is our local public education system. Well, we're all paying taxes, so logically you should be able to Pick where your child goes to school. Instead of just right. the school in your neighborhood, you should be able to go to the school across town and carry those tax dollars with you to that school. And one of the main driving points here, and this is what we can't miss, is that competition amongst the educational system Absolutely. is good for everybody. Yep. It creates competition. That's the bottom line. When schools know they have to compete That's right. with other schools, it creates competition which spurs innovation spurs productivity and in, in, in causes school administrators and teachers to do better at what they're doing because they have competition. Yeah. That's the driving point behind school school choice. In that same
3: article on One News Now that I just read from, that's OneNewsNow.com, OneNewsNow.com. In that same article, there's a gentleman who appeared to be about my age, maybe a little younger. His name is Walter Banks, and he's the National Press Secretary for the American Foundation for Children. And by the way, I, I encourage you to go uh, click on that link. You can't miss it, it's on the front page of one news now because there's a short video on his webpage that's worthy of watching. Yeah, so
0: that story is right now up at one That's
3: right, one news now. There's a short video within that um art, within that article that I encourage you to go listen to. Okay. With that said, Walter Banks, a press secretary for American Federation for Children, says this that this year is the highest it's ever been. He continues it. Seventy four percent of voters within the state of Missouri are supportive of this school choice so now's the time to strike um, for the reasons Walker mentioned and uh, we could probably have somebody on who's an expert on this topic to to discuss it further but it only makes sense to me for the for the main reason of competition because within competition people only get better so
0: yeah you know there's um, you look at the the performance or the lack thereof for for some school districts across the country many of them um the, the the how it's set up now and this is not a blanket statement but this is how it's generally set up in states that don't have school choice and don't have competition is you've got a school district that is doing terrible mm-hmm. all the way around the 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 kids are failing and there's multiple factors here okay this is not just Blame it on the teachers. Blame it on the principals. Right. All right. You've got parenting issues here, where kids aren't being taught proper things at an early age. Mm-hmm. You got disciplinary issues. You got drug issues. Mm-hmm. But but I'm talking about from a government perspective. Um, these districts that don't have school choice. These areas that don't have school choice. You can have a school system that is doing a terrible job all the way around, but they're going to keep getting, getting treated the, equally. They're getting getting treated the same as the ones that are busting their tails. Right trying to do the best for the students and they're getting the same amount of money per child. Um, and actually the school districts that do a worse job, they actually get more money Yeah. because the yeah. they, uh, government thinks that more money is going to help things right. and it usually actually makes things worse. Uh, but these school districts get more money because they're having failing grades, failing students, failing classes, um, and that just further uh, makes the problem it's worse. The same,
3: so, it's the same um, side effects of socialism.
0: Yes. It's the same thing. Yeah, more money doesn't fix our problems per So
3: se. Uh, with the remaining time that we have left, I really, really, really wanted to take this time to remind our listening audience of a bunch of things. And let's start with this, that there are, um, that it is very, very important for the Christians serving in public schools for us to remember them. And how we can remember them is a couple of different ways. One is um, uh, Christian educators should be carefully and faithfully wielding their influence in the public uh, school districts and public location, wherever, whether it's a school teacher, whether it's an administrator or a football coach. I know that my football coach at my high school is one of the most influential men in my life. He was a Christian. He was serving the Lord faithfully um, uh, in his local church and on the football field, and he was a great influence for me. So just remember those that are serving. If you're listening and you are serving the public schools, I just want to thank you for remaining faithful. We understand here the challenges that continue to rise. I know in some places it's far more challenging. You're talking about an inner city Mm -hmm. and like Detroit, and you're talking about some of those school districts as opposed to some down here in the South. I understand that it's infiltrated. A lot of the leftward ideas have infiltrated almost all public schools. Nonetheless, Mm -hmm. some are far worse than others, and so – wherever you are on the scale. We just want to remember you at the end of the program or in, at the end of this segment, we'll take time to pray for you So remember them. Also uh, Christians, parents, this is your time to step up. We're coming up to school year. You need to be involved in the, in the things that are being taught to your children. So you need to ask them about the things they're being taught when they come home. You need to see the books that they're getting. You need to make sure you're fully involved in their public education um, uh, 100% get involved in the school board. My parents were on the school board in the time that I was, uh, in school, public school. They were also involved in the football team that I was a part of booster club, just being, being involved as much as you can to share the gospel and to stand in the gap. And last but not least as students, uh, if you've got uh, kids that are in public schools and you're listening now, or maybe we may have some that are still in their summer break and they're, some of the students are listening I want to encourage you to stand in the gap and be a witness for Christ where you are in public schools. And we want to pray for you. Do we have time for that clip? Let's play that clip.
2: When I was 16 years old in 1967, as a freshman football player at the University of Tennessee, I was invited to a sports camp at Black Mountain, North Carolina. Sent us to FCA County. Brothers and sisters who were going through things very similar to what I was going through. I heard the gospel clearly for the first time in my life. And I felt the Holy Spirit tugging at my heart. So I broke down and started crying. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and life
0: has never been the same again. Kids really can respond to other kids who are going through the same things at the same time. Jesus was living through me, not just in school and in everyday life, but also through my
4: sport. Without FCA, I wouldn't be anywhere close to uh, even having a walk of any sort or kind with with the Lord.
2: I love that, like God can just be a part of our school. I consider FCA the heart of our school, and definitely is my heart. You know?
4: As a
3: coach,
2: it's allowed me to share my faith and my my faith in Christ. It's
0: got me closer to God.
3: That was a short video uh, from the FCA, FCA website of how uh, many um young uh, young students, but also teachers that got saved in the public school.
0: Fellowship of Christian Athletes Fellowship is the of name of that National
3: association across the country. When we come back from the break, remember to pray for them. Absolutely, I we will. We ran out of time this segment.
0: Yeah, I'll be glad to. AFA at the core. Thanks, Wesley. AFA at the core. We'll be back in a few minutes with more.
1: Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare and what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services and MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch too. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. You'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. you got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE, 833-44-BIBLE.
2: I have a friend whose little boy gave her a card on her birthday. The problem was, it was a sympathy card. She opened the card and she almost laughed, but stopped when her son said, Mommy, I thought it was the prettiest card in the whole store. So often our gifts to God are flawed, inappropriate, far too little and too late. But trust me on that, he is still pleased. God looks at our hearts and not our gifts. Someone has said that God has the pictures of our lives hanging on his refrigerator. They are great art, some are downright ugly. That doesn't matter to God. They were drawn by his beloved children, and they are valuable. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Hey, share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com.
1: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to the show, AFA at the core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. You can get my podcast, as you just heard there, by going to AFR.net, downloading the AFR app or visiting uh, whatever platform you listen to podcasts with, you can type in AFA at the Core and find the podcast there. Just type in AFA at the Core and you can find our podcast. Last segment, we talked with my brother, Wesley Wildman, about uh, uh, school choice, the benefits there, uh, the studies and the research behind it that prove it uh, to be a good, uh, a good option for parents and families. And then we talked about Uh, you know, the role of public educators and the role of Christians in the education system. So I just want to take a minute to pray for those in education all across the country, whether it be private, public, uh, homeschooling, families, co-ops, charter schools, all the different uh, options we have here. Let's pray for those involved in education. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne and uh, we lift up All of the public educators all of the private educators across the country Lord we lift up all those who are involved in um, in homeschooling and in charter schools and the different church schooling programs Lord Uh, we lift up all the believers involved in all facets of education in our country pray that you give them boldness pray that you give them strength that your Holy Spirit will rest upon them and help them to be effective Lord effective not for for themselves or for others but Lord effective for your kingdom and that they will truly be salt and light uh, in a world that so desperately needs you Lord we glorify you we lift up your name and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus amen amen all right well this story I wanted to bring to your attention today has to do with religious freedom has to do with the First Amendment Uh, religious freedom is one of our core values here at American Family Association In studio with us is someone you hear every so often on the radio, and that is Chris Woodward with American Family News. Chris, Chris, you are on uh, today's issues, Tuesday and Thursday, uh, on today's issues, is that correct? Yes. All right, so folks can tune in and listen to you then. Tell us about this story out of Washington State.
4: Yeah, this uh, the headline at onenewsnow.com is this, Will High Court Hear Appeal of Homeless Ministry? There is a faith-based ministry in the Seattle area known as Union Gospel Mission, and it provides services for all kinds of things, including legal services, particularly for the homeless there in the Seattle area. Um, and a few years ago, an attorney who is in a alternative lifestyle that does not share the same beliefs as the gospel mission there, wanted to apply for a legal services job. And like a lot of places, they determined that, hey, this person isn't the right fit here. We we want our employees to do this or avoid that. And this person is not uh, of that line of thinking. Sure. And so they declined uh, the opportunity to hire this individual. Mm-hmm. And he is an attorney, so he took the mission to court. He's actually gotten some courts to agree with him in the Washington state area, state courts, and so now Alliance Defending Freedom, the law firm representing the mission, is going straight to the U.S. Supreme Court to determine that the ministry, like a lot of other faith-based operations, should have the right to pick and choose who they want to hire.
0: You know, Chris, this story is is chilling. Uh, the fact that, that this is having to be litigated mm-hmm. is, is crazy, and I know Washington's a pretty liberal state. But nonetheless, I mean, we're talking about hiring a uh, the uh, a business, a ministry, having uh, being able to hire people who uh, uh, agree and conform to their statement of faith, their mission statement, their vision, and how they want their ministry to operate. So that's really in jeopardy here.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, to to kind of put this in perspective, it would be like a person of faith wanting to become a or get employed by the American Humanist Association no no person of faith uh, (laughs) would want the the humanists to hire that individual uh and and you know I would be okay if the AHA said you know what we want to pick and choose only humanists to work for us sure I think a lot of people would be like that we shouldn't have to go to court to determine these things but unfortunately that's the uh the day and age in which we live and the really unfortunate thing is I think a lot of this could have been solved had the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Jack Phillips a few years ago as to whether or not he had to design the cake. That's now, right. A lot of people are confused and they, they always say, well, the court did rule in Jack's favor. All they did was say... Halfway. The, yeah. They said <laughs> the state of Colorado was mean to him and violated his rights.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, that's exactly how the case And so ended. that's
4: why we still see uh, cases like this and The L. Stutzman, the florist there in Washington State, Jack Phillips, who is uh, going back to court again for another cake issue uh, or still in court over cake issues. You know, that's why we still see these things and we cover them as best we can at OneNewsNow.com.
0: All right. That's where folks can find you. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for coming in, brother. We'll have Chris in a little more often. He works with our news team. Uh, You can go to their website, OneNewsNow.com, and the uh, uh, American Family News is the name of the outfit. That is a division of American Family Association. So we got a great news team over there, bringing you news from a Christian perspective and bringing you news related to the core values of American Family Association. So go to OneNewsNow.com and uh, check out their news stories. I mean, uh, Bobby, this is this is concerning, deeply concerning that that this case could jeopardize nationally ministries' ability to use discernment on who they hire.
2: And I think that's the direct intent. I don't think this will be an isolated case. I think you'll see it getting and gaining widespread traction across the country, much to our chagrin. Um, But hopefully landmark cases like this will kind of nip this action in the bud. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, specifically religious rights of these specific religious-oriented organizations yeah. we'll have their rights restored and uh, back to normalcy if you will
0: yeah absolutely that's that's our hope here on the network is that the Supreme court will rule decisively in favor of religious freedom you know um, entities entities religious entities they they should have the ability the full right to hire people that agree with their mission statement that agree with their statement of faith that is a uh, just a basic right of, of, of entities, and that's, that's been established law for a long, long time in this country, from the very beginning. And, you know, and when we talk about how private businesses should be able to refuse services uh, to people, if the, if the business owner doesn't want to perform a service for someone, they should be able to do that. We talked about Melania Trump and the dressmaker not wanting to provide a dress for the inauguration in 2017, in January of 2017. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a private-run business. If they don't want to make a dress for the first lady, the incoming first lady, that's on them. They should have the right to do business with people they want to do business with, and I think that should apply, apply across the board. And yes, that would enable uh, possibly businesses to discriminate uh, uh, against people that we like, and we may not like that, but I think we need to reserve that right. And so that's what this is about, there in um, there in Washington State. And what's ironic is, you know, now now entities can apparently refuse to hire someone, or they can fire someone for not getting this experimental shot, this experimental shot and our vaccine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, people are are being let go from their jobs for not taking the shot, the COVID. Vaccine shot, Um, so they have the ability to regulate that and 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 employee compliance with the the direction a company and an entity wants to go. Um, So this should not even be up for debate debate, but unfortunately it is. I wanted to bring us back to a story that I really don't want us to miss out on. I really don't want us to forget this, and that is what Governor Andrew Cuomo did to. Uh, elderly patients in nursing homes last year. You know, there's this story that Wes and I talked about in passing about Governor Andrew Cuomo and the sexual assault allegations coming in against him in the state of New York, and and, and actually out of his own office as governor. And he'll likely resign, probably, maybe. But I think this, I think that that is an important story. Don't get me wrong. But I think this story here that I'm going to mention is equally as important, if not more important, because in this case, people lost their lives. People lost their lives. In the early days of the pandemic, in March of 2020, the New York State Department of Health, with the approval of Andrew Cuomo, the governor, there was an advisory sent out, and I actually have a copy of this advisory. There was an advisory sent out from the new york department of health i've got it right here if you're watching on youtube on our afr page or on afa at the core um youtube channel or the afr facebook page rather Uh, this is a letter from the department of health in new york state from the governor andrew cuomo his name's right up here in the top left corner got his health commissioner over here and a few others this letter sent out march 25th of 2020 it instructs all nursing home facilities in the state of New York to accept COVID positive patients back into nursing homes. These are nursing home patients who left the nursing home facilities because they became infected with coronavirus. They were admitted into hospitals for care. The governor sent out this advisory mandating that all nursing homes accept those patients from the hospitals are back into the nursing homes, even if they were still COVID positive, even if they were still positive with the coronavirus. Reading directly from this advisory, during this global health emergency, all nursing homes must comply with the expedited receipt of residents returning from hospitals to nursing homes. No resident shall be denied readmission or admission to the nursing home solely based on a confirmed or suspected COVID diagnosis. Nursing homes are prohibited from requiring a hospitalized resident who is determined medically stable to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. So we don't know how many infections this ended up leading to And how many elderly patients died unnecessarily in New York State because of this? I mean, this goes against everything that we've been told. I mean, we've been told that it's it's a crime to knowingly infect someone else. It's a crime to go out in public when you're infected and infect other people. We've been told that that's a crime. Well, here you have the governor's office ordering all nursing homes to accept COVID-positive patients back into the nursing homes with no kind of outline for how they're going to be quarantined and how they're going to keep other patients in these nursing home facilities safe. And so that is very, very concerning. There should be a full investigation into, into that decision-making because that, that, that decision-making does not line up with public health. With everything you're, you're told from the experts, that kind of decision-making – doesn't line up and just remember the justification for this was that they needed to make more room for hospital room they needed to make more a uh, space available for hospitalizations well many of you remember that the president president trump sent a u.s navy ship a hospital ship up to new york state actually it it, it anchored right out of New York City in the harbor there with I don't know at least a hundred beds, probably a couple hundred beds. I mean the, the ship was massive it was a it was a it might have been even a Coast Guard ship but it was it was uh, it was a military government run ship that had hundreds of hospital beds, high class uh, staff and treatment facilities and and the, the the state of New York hardly even used that ship. They hardly even used that boat and that hospital capacity space. It was hardly even used. I think it was in the single to double digits that were even admitted there into that ship. And so that was an absolute disaster and embarrassment. And so we can't say that, well, they had to clear up the hospitals for, for COVID patients. Well, these, these, these elderly patients should have gotten primary treatment. They're at the most high-risk category. They should not have been sent back to nursing homes And there was apparently plenty of hospital space available in New York, considering all the resources that were put into that effort in New York State. So that should be investigated. That should not be forgotten. Because there are families in New York that were devastated and frustrated and angered by the decision of the Biden administration, or rather of the Cuomo administration there in New York, to send COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes. A couple other stories, uh, one more story I want to get to before we wrap up the show today. This has to do with the infrastructure deal that I mentioned yesterday, this infrastructure deal that is set to pass the Congress in the next uh, month or two. Well, you know, the 17 Republicans signed on to this infrastructure bill, this some one plus trillion dollar infrastructure bill, Well, not all of its infrastructure, that would be misleading to say that. Some of it is, most of it is. But my point in bringing this up is that Joe Biden was given a speech yesterday. The president was giving a speech yesterday and he was bashing Republicans after the Republicans just helped him pass his infrastructure bill. He's bashing them. He says, we have to just keep making our case, just as the Republican Party today offers nothing but fear, lies and broken promises. So 17 Republicans helped Biden pass his infrastructure deal. And what do they get? (laughs) Stabbed in the back the next day. So much for unity. AFA at the core. We'll see you next time.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast